0: Now it's time for a plant fact. Everyone loves lilacs, but there's more to them than meets the eye. Their scientific name is syringa, which derives from the Greek word syrinx for panpipes. This is because their stems are filled with a spongy pith that can be removed and the hollow wood played like a flute. You can get your own lilac or any of the award-winning Proven Winners flowering shrubs at your local garden center or visit provenwinnerscolorchoice.com.
1: Welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that, well, for the last 20 years, I've called the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction... And fiction truly is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talk Star Radio Network, Exome Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. Worldwide toll free 1 800 610 7035. Email. Xone at com, On MSN Messenger, Radio TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. December, ah, uh, December, geez, I'm skipping ahead of myself here. November the 27th is the next distribution day of the X Chronicles worldwide. So, if you don't have a subscription, send us an email, we'll get it to you as fast as we can, and of course, for all the members of the X-Zone Nation, well, you know where to go and read your online issues, don't you? Should I share it with the rest of the world? Why not? www.xchronicles-newspaper.com According to my guest this hour, former Navy Commander Dave Stevens, the Mayans got the wrong date. But we're still facing disaster. We're going to be talking about the top three real threats to humanity and what we can do about them. Despite the mass hysteria, we all know that the world isn't really going to end on December the 21st. However, there are still plenty of ways that life as we know it could come to an end, an abrupt end, a chaotic end. My guest this hour is former Navy Commander Dave Stevens. We're going to be exploring with uh, Dave the shocking truth about the top planetary threats and why these apocalypses are far more likely than any Mayan prophecy. The real doomsday scenarios aren't what we uh, most people suspect. In fact, global warming, flooding, and super volcanoes don't even make the top five Joining me now is Commander Dave Stevens. He is the author of a fascinating new book that would make anybody smile if you bought it and put it under the Christmas tree. It's entitled Resurrect. Joining me now is Dave Stevens. And Dave, welcome to the X-Zone.
0: Thank you. Uh, Honored to be here. Tell me... um,
1: Why do you think there's been so much hype about the end of the Mayan calendar, December the 21st, 2012, the galactic uh, alignment, and then you've got the return of the famed and mystical planet Nibiru? Like, why did people actually take this seriously?
0: I think it's probably human psychology. Uh, I read an article once in Scientific American that said, we as humans Mm -hmm. want to be significant, and we always believe that we must have We must be alive during that one period in time when everything comes to an end.
1: So we're kind of uh, so if we're smucked away in an apocalyptic scenario, this is what most humans want.
0: You know, that's that's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, it sure is. they, uh, they've done surveys, and this kind of actually kind of scared me. There's only a, a small percentage of the population that really thinks the world's going to end. Mm-hmm. But when they did a, a survey recently, and I'll have to track that down, but it was almost 30% of the population believed something significant was going to happen on December 21st. Um, that's almost unfathomable, you know, why people believe that. I mean, if you talk to anthropologists, mm-hmm. they tell you, the mines ran out of rock. You know, they, yeah. they just ran out of rock. It was, it was a calendar cycle. <laughs> uh, it was scheduled to end. But, you know, I, I think they might have done us a, a teeny tiny favor mm-hmm. by helping us think uh, ahead, because there are, some, there are some threats out there. They're, they're, probably, they're not going to happen. I mean, if, if I'm wrong and the world does come to an end on the 21st, I'm willing to come back and make a public apology.
1: All right, you've got a deal. Dave, please stand by. You <laughs> and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. This is going to be one heck of an hour, ExoNation. Our special guest is former Navy Commander Dave Stevens. We're talking to Dave about his new book, Resurrection. His website is www.resurrecttrilogy.com. And the commander and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. My name is Rob McConnell. Former Navy Commander Steve um, Dave, Dave Stevens is my special guest uh, this hour. We're talking about Dave's new book that is out called Resurrect. His website is www.resurrecttrilogy.com. Uh, Steve, what makes you kind of an expert or qualifies you to talk about apocalyptic disasters? I like, can. I don't mean. I don't mean to be sarcastic or, or crude when asking you that question, sir.
0: No, not at all. It's a it's a question that I think more people need to ask. We accept too much information without credentials. Um, it, I, I was a Navy fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. I was uh, qualified to deliver nuclear weapons. I, I shouldn't laugh at that. I mean that was a, a, a terrifying mission. Um, I was a strike operations officer, a planner for a Desert Storm, and I I worked on classified weapon development programs. So I'm wow. I'm kind of a demolition expert. And it's not a little bit depressing, I guess, uh, for for a lot of the, the listeners, but. Um, at some point I realized um, I might be able to apply some of that demolitions expertise uh, to, to maybe protecting and saving. And my background is engineering and physics. I've got an engineering degree from Cornell and a master's from, in engineering from the uh, University of Michigan with some uh, post, post-grad work in uh, astrophysics wow. and human factors. Um, and most of it, I think, is, is an understanding of statistics, which... Uh, is absolutely essential when you're trying to rank or evaluate threats. But if I may, I, I, part of it was um, as a young fighter pilot, you know, you're, you're immortal. I mean, we're all immortal sure. when we're 20 years old. Uh, we're fearless. And uh, a few years into the fleet, one of my, my, my close friends was killed in a crash. And uh, that's when you suddenly become immortal. But at that point, I also realized, uh, unless death hits you directly. You have a brush with it or somebody that, that's close to you. It's not real. And I realized that was the same thing for societies. I think uh, we tend to turn a blind eye to uh, apocalyptic disasters just because they're not real. And in some cases, it's kind of a giggle factor. So I thought, what a way to, to pull this together. I love telling stories. So I try to take this these technical papers, these science papers that are like a quarter uh, equations and statistics and turn them into a, a fun action-adventure thriller. And that's where the resurrect trilogy came from.
1: In your opinion, Dave, what are the top three threats that, that you know, we really couldn't do anything about?
0: The, the, uh, and that, you know, I, I use probabilistic risk analysis to try to figure this out, which is just a fancy mm. word for the same science you know, they use you know, insurance companies use to figure out your premiums. They'll get consequence right. and risk. So my entire valuation was built upon, okay, how likely and, and how bad. And, and I was just looking at the bad ones. I'm talking about the ones that could take out humanity or, or civilization, as, as you said at the uh, opening. Um, when I did that, uh, I, I went through a whole parcel of them, but, but it narrowed down to three that really had a, a, a probability and a consequence that was kind of frightening. Um, the number three one was uh, probably not a big surprise it 's global nuclear war, uh, biological war uh, shocking to me was that it came out as the number three threat
1: wow what 's the number two threat sir
0: the number two threat um, was probably the most controversial um, it's it's artificial intelligence and uh, you know the, we, we tend to hear that and we think you know Terminator movies mm-hmm. um, the issue intelligence is, you know, and a lot of people say, well, we don't know that they'll ever become aware, they'll ever be conscious. We don't. But we can easily predict their growth. I mean, since the 1960s, Moore's law has been ironclad. Every two years, processing and memory power double, sometimes faster. I mean, all you have to do is look at that little little uh, uh, cell phone in your hand, that smartphone. I mean, if, if you have a smartphone that's more than two years old, it's obsolete. That's right. Um, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to draw a line out and say, hey, what happens 20, 25, 30 years from now? Uh, they w- will have to have the same processing power and memory as a human brain. And if you take it out another 20 years, we're looking at uh, potentially uh, more processing power than the entire human race combined. So, uh, that's not too hard to, to calculate. However, there is, and you know, you, I remember thinking, well, I, we got 25 years to figure this out. But there is a wild card, and it in fact does sit in the palm of your hand. Uh, smartphones may have, uh, kind of scarily, they may have the ability to change the equation. How? (laughs) Um, Think about this for a minute. A a smartphone, and and we're all impressed with how amazing they are, but if you looked at their IQ equivalent to, Mm -hmm. to biological creatures, they're about the same level as a lizard. Not very impressive, but in the next few years we will soon be having billions of these smartphones around the globe and they're all connected uh-huh. and they're com- becoming more connected kind of like the neurons in a human brain
1: so could we actually then extrapolate and, and look at this as if the the internet is the is the brain mass and all these individual iPads and other handheld devices are the neur- neuron uh, connections
0: it's quite possible now the, the the fallacy to this is there isn't any software that that links all these things uh, the way neurons are it mm-hmm. doesn't exist so yeah. not, you know this is not going to happen tomorrow but certainly you know the processing power of the internet the the smartphone just the smartphones alone if you took all that processing power and combined it it would be far in excess of, of a human brain um so it, it's something that we need to at least be aware of and be thinking about i mean it would be kind of a bummer you know you wake up in the morning and you give siri your your uh, command and, and siri tells you what to do with it
1: that would be something <laughs> that's scary all right so in your opinion sir what is the number one threat
0: ah the number one threat um it's asteroids and comets and i, and I say that uh, carefully because uh most people's reaction is well that's just a, a good movie plot um, some people would debate whether it's good or not, but yeah. it is a good movie plot. But it's a movie plot because of probability, and, and there's been research just in the last five, ten years that have uh, actually been rather frightening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example, and I go through all these uh, research papers, these science and technical papers written by astrophysicists, and. I I would encourage people to read them, but they're painful. I mean, literally, you know, a third equation in statistics. But I remember I got to the bottom of one of them. It was written by a gentleman named uh, Dr. Bill... um, uh, I've got to think about this for a minute. (laughs) Um, UK astrophysicist. I'll I'll figure out that name in a minute. Uh, But... Um, what he did was Napier. I'm sorry, Dr. Bill Napier. But at the bottom of this, equa- uh, of this very heavily equation-laden paper was a statement that said three magnitude higher impact rate than current near-Earth object models, which is you know a pretty mellow statement until you realize what he's talking about. He what he's suggesting is there may be a thousand times more comets than we originally predicted, and and that's the reason is they're called uh, a dark comets or. or Extreme low albedo, but the B six twelve Foundation has told us that uh, uh, we've only found about one percent of the Earth orbit crossing asteroids. Wow! So between between the two of that, and I, I mean, we probably found a lot of the big ones, but uh, you know, one the size of a of a football field would obliterate an entire city and its metropolitan area.
1: Now that's scary, and there's nothing we could actually do about it if we knew there was an incoming, uh, because I really don't think that that the the powers of the world have actually gotten into a, into a, um, let me see, how can I best say it? They're, they're not getting along as it is. I don't think that they could actually pull together the resources that would be required in such a short period of time to actually try and destroy a comet. Or am I wrong?
0: No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, that was kind of the purpose. I you know, I thought if I can write a, mm-hmm. a fun action adventure, a novel and, and, but it's based heavily on, on, science and I, and I 've got some endorsements from uh, dr. Carolyn shoemaker she's found the most comets and asteroids um, a couple astronauts, uh, Dr. Joe Verka and dr. Bill Napier I mean so I, I use their brains you know I'm, I'm not smart enough uh, I'm not an astrophysicist, but I use their brains. they helped check out over my my numbers. Obviously it is fiction, but it, it is based on real science, so you, you think if we can get enough shock value going, you're absolutely right. there is no international effort um if we found it found an asteroid or a comet uh, that's going to hit us 10 20 years in the future I, we could we could put together something uh we don't have to push it very hard we just need to nudge it mm-hmm. if we find something 2 years away we're toast yeah. unless we do something um so first know your enemy
1: you know uh, bruce willis is not around to take that crew up and uh, destroy <laughs> the asteroid desert. uh it's it's scary to think that we think we're so secure, so protected on this little planet of ours, and yet we can be smucked out of the time-space race at n- at any given time, and we really can't do anything about it.
0: No, and uh, there are there are some organizations. You know, I I'm not a survivalist. I'm not oh you know the uh, doomsdayer. Right. I believe there are things that we can do about it. There's a there's a great new uh, a non-profit called the B612 Foundation. Um, a friend of mine, uh, doc uh, astronaut, former astronaut, Dr. Ed Liu, uh, He's the CEO. Uh, we've been talking, and, and uh, we're doing a little partnering. And in fact, I'm going to be donating some of the the proceeds from the book, the profits from the book, to help that foundation. Wow. What what he's doing is, is he got tired of that. He was an astronaut, and he realized that the government wasn't taking action or wasn't taking the threat seriously. So he's created a, a foundation with a, a intent to put up an infrared um, telescope in around. Let's see, I believe it's from near the orbit of Venus. That's going to map out all the asteroids. He believes he can literally map out. Uh, the vast majority of the asteroids within a few years with this thing, and it 's about one hundred and fifty million dollars so it's it's doable mm-hmm. um, so there are people out there actually tra- i mean we can't stop an asteroid until we know you know there there 's one out there but first we've got to find them so that's step one. Comets are a little more complicated because they're further out they 're outside of the solar system, unlike two million asteroids, there are hundreds of billions of cometary fragments, so that's that 's the next step but but uh, one step at a time. First, we got to find the little suckers.
1: Whose jurisdiction is it to to monitor the the approaching uh, comets or asteroids? Is it NASA, or is it a different division of the government, or is it left up to the public sector, like your friend?
0: That's a good question. I don't I don't know, and I could I could be wrong, but I don't know that anybody is. Wow. stepped up and, and said, we'll take responsibility. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of astrophysicists out there who are working on shoestring budgets that are, are trying to map asteroids and comets. Um, they're, they're doing a great job, but they don't... The problem with asteroids is they're not very bright. I mean, <laughs> I mean as in reflective. <laughs> um, they're cold and dark. You need, uh, you need something out there that can pick them up like an infrared telescope. And infrared doesn't work well inside of the Earth's atmosphere, so you really need a space telescope.
1: All right, please stand by. Dave, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation Dave Stevens is our special guest. He's the author of a book that should be on everyone's Christmas list. It's entitled Resurrect. His website is www.resurrecttrilogy.com. That's resurrecttrilogy.com. And uh, Dave and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. That's unless we tell you a comet's coming or an asteroid. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035.
0: Our Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for current automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. Text Kid to 323232.
1: Email address XZone at Xonradio TV.com. On MSN Messenger, Xonradio TV at hotmail.com. And our website ww.exonradioTV.com. Travel on the stage! And welcome back to the X-1, everyone. The theme from Top Gun by Van Halen is a very appropriate song for this uh, hour. Our guest is former Navy Commander uh, Dave Stevens. And we're talking to Dave this hour about his new book entitled Resurrect. Now, in the first first two segments of the show, we talked about the three real threats to humanity and what we can do about them. The first uh, threat, number three, was nuclear or biological war and why it's... Actually, among the least of our worries. Threat number two, artificial intelligence, how your smartphone could eventually turn the tables on humanity. And threat number one, comets and asteroids, why a comet is more likely to kill you than a shark attack, snake bite, or lightning strike. Dave Stevens' uh, website is www.resurrect. Trilogy.com. That's www.resurrecttrilogy.com. And uh, Dave, you're part of an organization, as we started, we touched on very uh, briefly on the other side of the news, entitled the B612 Foundation. Now, can you tell us a little bit more details about that organization and how it was founded and what its goal is? And here's my main question to you on that. that you know, there's about 46,000 questions in one. Why isn't the government funding it?
0: That's a great question, um, Dr. Ed Liu, As we said, former mm-hmm. astronaut and CEO. Um, what I think he decided to do is step outside of the government and and fund this himself. Now, what their what their program is, and it is brilliant. And you talked about the the statistics. Yes. Um, it's about, right now, it's about a, a one in fifty thousand uh, uh, chance of of being killed by a or asteroid. And you think that's a pretty, pretty high number, not likely, but lightning is 1 in 35,000, and flood is 1 in 500,000. So this is a real threat, and, and recent research is suggesting the, the threat may actually be much higher, the, the stats may be even worse. But what, what Dr. Ed Liu and the B612 Foundation are doing, and the reason why I'm, I'm donating uh, some of the proceeds from the book for that, is because they're planning on putting up a, an infrared telescope an IR telescope in orbit out around Venus, and the whole idea is that they believe that within a matter of a couple of years, they will be able to plot, uh, track uh, the vast majority of, of Earth-orbit crossing asteroids. Um, you know, you, you think, exactly, you know, you asked that question, I, I wish yeah. I had an answer, why why aren't we funding it? Why isn't there even an international effort to fund it? So we have some very brave souls stepping out. Now, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of astrophysicists working on shoestring budgets mm-hmm. right now to try to track these things. They're, they're working very hard, but they can't see out of the atmosphere very well. You really need an IR telescope, and IR works best in space. So that's that's step one, infrared. Now, a lot of the comets are also a threat, and that's a whole different ball of wax. Um, asteroids, I think most people understand. Comets, uh, actually, there's only about 2 million asteroids in the asteroid belt, but there are hundreds of billions of cometary fragments that, that exist outside of the solar system. And... Uh, the work of, uh, I mentioned, Dr. Bill Napier. Um, most of astrophysicists look at, look at comets and they go, there, there aren't enough of them out there. We don't see enough of them. There should be thousands more, but we don't see them, so they must not exist. Well, he took a different tact and said, you know what? If you take a, a, a dirty snowball, which mm-hmm. is the usual explanation for a comet, and, uh, you know, g- gravel, rocks, debris, and ice, and you run it around the outside of the, the sun, we're going to burn off most of the ice and what's left. What you have is, a, is the dirty part, the, the, um, and uh, they're referred to as Extreme Low Albedo Comet. That's a fancy name for saying that they have a surface reflective, reflectivity about the same as fresh asphalt. Uh, still theory, except that there was a comet called Aras Araki Alcock, quite a, quite a tongue twister, but in the 1980s it came within 3 million miles of the Earth. It was 5 miles wide. We didn't see it until it was 2 weeks from closest approach because it was that dark. So the threat is very real. Um, and it's a whole other ball of, of uh, oh, excuse me, a whole other uh, level of effort to try to, to find and track these. But, but if we can track them, if we can find them, then we can do something about them.
1: Well, whose responsibility is it right now to track these, uh, the, these asteroids and comet? Does it fall under the jurisdiction of NASA or does it fall under the jurisdiction of Air Space Command?
0: That's a good question. Um, I think most people would say an international effort. It is complicated by the fact that we can't put, uh, and understandably, um, mm-hmm. nuclear weapons in, in orbit. So it would definitely have to be a massive international effort. And uh, and that that is part of the purpose of, of creating a, a trilogy, a fiction trilogy, to help educate, to increase awareness while entertaining, you know, get, get this in our mind um, so we can actually... Uh, maybe create a, a, a joint effort.
1: I understand that during the uh, during the presidency of, of uh, Ronald Reagan, he actually looked at a Star Wars defense system. Now, is it possible that even though there are those who believe it never happened, that it actually did happen? And if it did happen, if the comet or asteroids were to come within close proximity of Earth, would the nuclear weapons, if they are up there, could be pointed at the incoming and uh, try to either deflect it or destroy it before it came into Earth's atmosphere?
0: It is possible. That's that's the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. There are a lot more elegant ways to deflect a comet or asteroid. Um, at the last In the last uh, analysis, that may be all we have left. But the problem with that is even if you're successful in sending out a nuke, Mm -hmm. now keep in mind the rocket that would be required to go meet a comet or asteroid inbound is huge. So it isn't just a question of nuclear warheads. You need a giant rocket to to push that warhead. You may have just created a new problem. Instead of having a a rifle shot, you've created a shotgun blast. Because Mm -hmm. it's going to break into a lot of fragments, and many of those fragments are still going to hit the Earth.
1: How do you think this scenario would play out? Now, I'm asking you as the expert. Something is viewed by a, let's say, an amateur astronomer. It's given to the Griffith Observatory. They see it and deem it as, my God, we're going to get schmucked on this planet by this object. In in your experience and in your estimation, how would the chain of events follow from that point on?
0: Um, That's a good one. Um, I suspect if it uh, appears in the scientific community first, um, because multiple telescopes can see it, Mm -hmm. it would probably become public knowledge. Uh, But the question becomes, how far out? I mean, if we identify something that's in an orbit that will cross us in 10 years, it's fine. I mean, we, you know, we have time to do something about it. If we identify it and it's only a year or two years or six months out, ooh, different, different question. Then the question becomes, do you even release that to the public if it's truly a, a planet killer?
1: You know, I, I can just see the mass hysteria if the information was released to the public. Like, crime would be on an upswing overnight. Uh, the, the, you know, I, it would just be horrific,
0: it would be a nightmare. Um, and that's why, you know, the chances, statistically, the chances that we're going to get smoked <laughs> tomorrow or next month or next year are pretty small. But it is going to happen. I mean, if you think about it, mm-hmm. about every 30 million to 60 million years, um, you know, the life gets the reset button pushed. You know, we have a mass extinction roughly on that, that cycle. Um, wouldn't it be cool if for the first time in the history of life on Earth, a species, namely the imperfect us, is in a position where we could actually do something about it and, you know, uh, who knows, maybe pay back all of it, or at least do a little bit of payback for all the species that we've already taken out. Because an asteroid makes us look like a joke. We, we take out, you know, thousands or millions of species. Mm-hmm. Uh, an asteroid or, or comet could take out 90% of the life on Earth.
1: Exonation. Nation, our special guest this hour is Commander Dave Stevens. He's a former Navy commander. His website is www.ResurrectTrilogy.com, and the name of his book is called Resurrect. When we look at the possibilities of this happening, I know there's been a number of movies that Hollywood has put together, and I, the only one I can think of is the one where Bruce Willis was part of the crew, and they landed on this on this uh, asteroid. was What's an asteroid? Yeah, it had to be an asteroid, right? and uh, they were using atomic weapons to blow it up or, or, you know, shear it off of Earth's path. I often wonder how much of these movies is based on a little bit of knowledge compared to totally fiction.
0: That, that movie actually did have a lot of, uh, a lot of science in it. Mm. Uh, however, to make it realistic and, and fit you know uh, that would be a, a multi month multi year mission to make it fit in you know they had to take some liberties yeah. um so you have to take it with a grain of salt but but certainly planting a nuke far enough out is possible however as far out as they planted the nuke we probably would have gotten clobbered anyway <laughs> but but the idea the idea at least is based you know as they say based in in fact
1: how ca- how can you know how can the government not get involved in funding a project like B Six One Two Foundation when these people all right they you know they've 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 separated from NASA and they're doing this on their own, but they're they're providing an invaluable service to humanity and mankind, like shouldn't we you know it only makes sense to chip in and and make it happen?
0: It does, but you know it's the classic government is us, you know we are the people. And as long as we don't think it's a threat, as long as we're not that concerned about mm-hmm. it, nobody's going to be calling up their congressman and demanding that, that uh, you know, we, we spend some time. I, I think there's more money spent in uh, research on toenail fungus than uh, comets and asteroids. Um, and, and that's part of, of what we do, of what you do and what I do, you know, right. to try to get this out as a, as a real threat so that people take, take an interest and realize it's not just a, not just a, a fun movie plot.
1: So they put these, all right, so so they get this this satellite to do the imaging. Once they have all that data, where, what's the next step?
0: Well, if if we can identify an asteroid uh, far enough out, and, and probably likely it mm-hmm. could be 10, 15, 20 years from impact, it's actually not that hard. All you have to do is give it a little nudge. You have to slow it down by a, a matter of, of uh, millimeters per second if you do it far enough out, and then it just misses us, because the Earth is uh, whipping whipping uh, 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 at an incredible pace. I forgot what it was, 6,000 kilometers, but I don't want to say it, because I'll, I'll screw it up, but all you have to do is slow down the Ecometer asteroid, so mm-hmm. the Earth isn't there when it arrives, which isn't too hard. If it's six months out, or a year out, or two years out, then then you have to take some Herculean efforts. And in the book we actually propose a potential solution, one of several, uh, based on real physics. Um, it can be done, but now we're talking about a multi-billion dollar international effort. Um, not just a, a NASA, you know, send something out there and, and give it a nudge.
1: Wow, so it's like playing galactic pool.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good analogy. <laughs>
1: All right, so, so here you are, a former uh, Navy commander. We used uh, Top Gun as an intro.
0: I actually knew some people who flew those sequences. There. I was just uh, going to
1: ask you. You must be psychic.
0: <laughs> that, was, that was about my time frame.
1: How, how close to real was Top Gun? Like, is there a Top Gun school? Do they actually go there and, and, and chase mig, uh, MiGs all over the place?
0: There actually is. It's been it's been changed a little bit since the movie came out. Um, you know, Top Gun was a love story, you know, yeah. in that, that background. But um, uh, it's a, a Fighter Weapons uh, Employment School. I'm actually a graduate of Strike Fighter Weapons Employment School, which we jokingly called Top Bomb. Uh, but, but combined, <laughs> by Top Gun and top, top Bomb, it just doesn't have the same ring, does it? Not really. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it does exist. Um, and, and it's kind of funny. Not only are you Taught uh, fighter tactics, but you're mm-hmm. actually taught how to be a teacher, how to go back and teach that to your fellow students. Which I, I you know, of course they they're not going to you know cover that sure. in the movie because it's not very exciting. But like anything else, you're trying to educate, you're trying to teach.
1: That's wonderful. Um, what was it like taking off from an aircraft carrier? We see where the uh, where the f- uh, flight deck. And the air boss, you know, the guy gives a signal, he salutes, and he ducks, and the jet takes off right over his head. What's that like? When you're when you're taking off and you're being catapulted into the, into space?
0: It is it is a total rush. It's, if you've ever been on what they call a linear accelerator, those um, excuse me, a linear uh, acceleration roller coaster, yeah. the ones that shoot you out at high speed, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, I got catapulted off. Uh, one time when the air boss, actually the captain of the ship came up and said, hey, do you see that tanker there on the uh, horizon at about 2 o'clock? Um, you know, these giant tankers would often assume everybody else is going to get out of their way. And uh, an aircraft carrier you know, doing flight ops has, has the right of way, you know, according to the laws of the sea. Mm-hmm. Well, we were on a collision course many miles out, so the captain said, hey, let them know we're here, which, of course, is licensed to steal.
1: All right, now hold on here. We've got to do a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I've got to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Dave, great having you with us here in the XO. And XO Nation, Dave Stevens is our special guest. He's the author of Resurrect. His website, www.resurrecttrilogy.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. Oh, there you go. The first case of uh, what is it? Uh what's the what's the, what is that? What did they do? Uh, don't ask, don't tell. Huh. Yeah, the who knows, right? Eh? Before we went to the commercial break, here you are. You're still sitting on the deck of the carrier waiting to be caught catapulted off. You get the signal, you take off. What happens?
0: Well, the captain never talks to you. So when he talks, everybody got quiet. They were all wishing they were on the catapult at that time. You fire off. In this case, usually you climb, normally you climb out, so I just sucked up the gear and stayed mm-hmm. at 50 feet, got as fast as I could, and flew right in front of the windows, the bridge windows of the tanker. They did turn.
1: <laughs> I, uh, so is that like uh, Tom Cruise uh, did a number of times that got him into trouble when he did a flyby?
0: Exactly. So this <laughs> one
1: was awesome. <laughs> Unreal. You know what? We have to have you back on the show, and what I'd like to do is I'd also like to get... Uh, the, the people from the B612 foundation on as well with you, Dave, because I, this is a message that we have to get out there and I, I think we have to be serious about it and let the people know what the truth actually is. So if that works for you, that works for me.
0: That would be fantastic. And for those out there, and I, I, I'm an engineer, you know, mm-hmm. who want more data, on the website we do have the links to the scientific papers um, that that back up some of this, because I, I know that's important for a lot of us. Um, we're, all, I mean, that's on the Resurrect Trilogy website. Uh, as we, you mentioned, we're uh, option for a movie by um, uh, producer uh, Fred Miller, mm-hmm. who has some Academy Award-nominated uh, movies, um, and in fact, they're about to release. When angels sing, I think that's going to be released overseas first, with um, starring Harry Connick Jr. And I think it'll be here in 2013. But that's pretty exciting to have a to have a producer uh, uh, pursuing pursuing the story, and I think that will help us get our message out as well because not everybody reads.
1: What can I say except thank you so much for being with us uh, tonight and for sharing your story, for sharing your experiences, and. Um, Quickly, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and where they can buy your book.
0: The book is for sale pretty much everywhere. If they buy it through the resurrectedtrilogy.com website, which links to Amazon, mm-hmm. they'll be into a drawing for, you know, free Kindle, opportunity to have a character named after them, and if this goes to a movie, to be invited on the set for the filming.
1: Oh, that sounds great. Dave, once again, thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone.
0: Thank you very much. It was an awesome program, and I really
1: enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, my friend. Exonation, Nation, my guest this hour has been Tom Cruise. No, wait a minute. No, no. It's uh, Commander Dave Stevens. He's a former Navy commander, and he's the author of Resurrect. And his website is www.resurrecttrilogy.com. That's www.resurrecttrilogy.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour, as the Exxon does continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The Exxon archives are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year for the past 90 days at www.exxonepodcast.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. And the X Chronicles newspaper hits the shelves on November the 27th Don't go away. We'll be back after the news.